Welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series, which can be heard on VHHA.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're a member of the Virginia Audio Collective and the Family Podcast Network, and we're on the radio each Saturday at noon and Sunday at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, 107.7 FM and 820 AM across Central Virginia, and Wednesdays at 1 PM on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send any questions, comments, or feedback to PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. Again, that's PCFpodcast at VHHA.com. And with the housekeeping out of the way, today we're pleased to be joined by a fellow JMU alum, Jonathan McNamara of the American Red Cross of Virginia, for a conversation about the organization's work, the need for blood donations, and more. With that, welcome to the program, Jonathan. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Thanks for having me. Go Dukes. Absolutely. Go Dukes indeed. So part of the fun of doing podcast interviews is the background research that's done to prepare for them. People think about the Red Cross as the blood donation organization or the disaster relief organization, but obviously the Red Cross does so many more things beyond that. And its history is fascinating. And reading up, I learned or was reminded perhaps of that the woman who 140 years ago founded the American Red Cross, a version of which previously existed in Europe, is Clara Barton, who was a teacher, a trailblazing federal government employee, a civil war nurse, a suffragist, an abolitionist and so many other things. So with that little bit of background, tell us about the modern Red Cross and what its mission is, Jonathan. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you bring up Claire Barton because uh, if you go back and look at her history, it it started by making sure she could be there for soldiers who were injured on both sides of the conflict. And, And that impartiality and neutrality is still a really a cornerstone of the Red Cross mission each and every day, which can be simply summed up as to alleviate human suffering. So If you look at our current day, uh, whether it's flooding in southwest Virginia, the wildfires that are taking place in the west, delivering blood to cancer patients or somebody who's experienced a trauma situation, or being there for a military spouse whose loved one um, has been injured overseas in conflict, all of the mission of the Red Cross aims at serving these communities, making sure that the resources of our organization, supported by volunteers, can be delivered in a timely manner, uh, making sure these families have access to resources and support. Um, not only on the local level, but from our national organization, and then connecting with partners out in the community. The Red Cross, a big part of what we do is making sure that we can convene the community, bringing together resources from different walks of life, um, whether it's faith-based groups, other volunteers, other organizations that have a unique mission that can also amplify our work. That's what we're doing every day. Over 90% of that work is done by volunteers here in the community, uh, and we're really proud to be able to serve Um, whether it's the Virginia community that we do each and every day here or the hundreds of volunteers from Virginia who deploy to support operations across the country each and every year. Just proud to represent it. And, And the more the community understands that the work of the Red Cross, I think the more that they'll support it. Do you wish you could focus on practicing medicine without all the distractions? Covaris is here to help. As a leader in medical professional liability insurance with more than 45 years experience, Covaris provides insurance protection with data-driven predictive modeling to help you mitigate the risk of claims. By combining insurance protection with risk analytics services, you can reduce distractions and focus on improving clinical, operational, and financial outcomes. Covaris is reinventing what you should expect from your medical professional liability provider. Find out all Covaris can offer you at Covaris.com. That's C-O-V-E-R-Y-S.com. Insurance products issued by Medical Professional Mutual Insurance Company and its insurance subsidiaries, Boston, Massachusetts. 
people who are watching the headlines now know that flood water surged into Buchanan County in southwest Virginia recently, washing away homes and displacing people. Fortunately, all of those who were initially missing have been found safely, but the community is still in recovery mode, and I know that the Red Cross is involved down there. I know you've also been involved in disaster response associated with hurricanes, wildfires, and tornadoes. So tell us about the role. You mentioned this a little bit, but tell us more about the role of the Red Cross in in disaster situations like that. People are are more familiar, I think, with the work of the Red Cross when it comes to those large-scale disasters, the hurricanes that impact us um, each and every year across the United States, the wildfires and floods. But there are Red Cross volunteers in every community uh, across Virginia, but across the country who are on call 24 hours a day, 365 days a year to respond to the needs of families impacted by disasters, whether that disaster is a single family house fire that leaves the family outside of their home at two o'clock in the morning, or it's what we're dealing with in Southwest Virginia, where storms cause flash flooding that impacted the community, damaging hundreds of homes. And the Red Cross since the early morning hours of this event, have been serving first responders, delivering meals, delivering comfort kits and cleanup kits for the families that are trying to pick up the pieces from their homes, can have some resources to be able to start that process. We're delivering emergency first aid and mental health support to these communities. Because you can imagine if you're displaced from your home, the anxiety, the stress, and the toll that it can take on them, we want to be able to support that as well. We're also been supporting the shelter operations that are there, delivering um, meals directly to families' homes who may be starting the cleanup process outside of their their homes, and then starting a long-term process of connecting these families with additional resources, both at the local and state level, as well as also federal support. Uh, And this comes in uh, in addition to the financial support that we're able to provide these families um, to help them start the recovery process. And and again, I, I want to highlight this as much as possible. Um, over 90% of the people on the ground and who will be on the ground for the days and weeks to come are, are volunteers from the community, whether they can donate uh, a few hours a week or a few days a week. This is their way of giving back. We have a lot of uh, former veterans, uh, veterans from the community, former military personnel who uh, allow this to be their way of continuing their service to the community. We have um, retired nurses who help in our first aid apparatus. Uh, and then just uh, people from the community who have retired now, and this is their way of, of staying involved and staying engaged and being there for the community. And, and these are the um, really heroes of the Red Cross work, uh, and they're doing this work each and every day across Virginia. And it's an honor uh, to tell their story because they're doing really, really vital work now as this community starts the recovery process. Well, it's good to hear uh, and to spotlight the work of those volunteers uh, in communities, as you said, whether they give a few hours or a few days. And then also, I think, great context and perspective, just pointing out that the Red Cross gets mobilized in large-scale disasters, but as you said, even small things like a a single house fire that may leave a a family displaced. So good to know that the Red Cross is there for, for events big and small. Jonathan, so many organizations were tested and had to adapt to the challenges presented by the COVID-19 pandemic. For the Red Cross, one enduring challenge has been one of the worst blood shortages experienced in recent years. The shortage has implications for hospitals, patients, and and more. I wonder if you could tell us what the current situation is and how does it impact public health as it relates to blood supplies? Yeah, well, I'm really glad you cited what the pandemic has done to the Red Cross's ability to collect blood. At the beginning of the COVID pandemic, we had tens of thousands of blood drives canceled across the country uh, as we all retreated to our homes to try to slow the spread of this virus. And while many of those challenges have improved as our 
grasp on this virus has improved. The Red Cross is still dealing with some pretty significant headwinds that have made this uh, a very challenging year for the organization. At the beginning of the year, we declared our first ever um, emergency uh, related to a blood emergency here in the United States, and that significantly impacted our ability to deliver the blood that is so critical to hospitals across the Commonwealth and across the country. Fortunately, because of the support of our donor community, but also because of so many partners, whether the hospital system, advocacy groups, and the media who helped really raise awareness about not only the situation that we were dealing with as an organization, but helped to generate the type of support that was needed to remind donors why this was so important. We have started to see our blood supply really stabilize and put ourselves in a much better situation than we've been at any point in the pandemic. However, as we have gone throughout the summer months, and this is something that we typically see as we go into summer, high schools and colleges, which are some of our biggest supporters in terms of blood drives across the country, are now in their summer sessions. They're, they're not on campus. That significantly impacts um, our ability to collect blood in those locations. We also have people who are taking vacations possibly for the first time in many years. Uh, and we understand that blood donation for many of these individuals is just not top of mind. It's not something that the average person is thinking about. And that's why these types of conversations are so important because we can let people know that during the summer months, we typically see a spike in demand from our hospitals, whether it's increases in trauma cases due to more people being on the roadways, still having those cancer patients who, who are coming in for treatment, as well as mothers who have complications with childbirth. They cannot wait for that life-saving blood, uh, and that's why our mission each and every day at the Red Cross is to work with community organizations, work with individual donors to make sure that the drives that we have in the community are accessible, uh, and to make sure we have as many people in the chairs at our facilities as we can each and every day so that we don't put an extended burden or more stress on our hospitals, uh, the doctors and nurses on the front lines. They should not have to wait for that blood to be delivered because we understand that has an impact on the quality of care, uh, and that's at the forefront of all of our minds at the Red Cross as we uh, advance our mission each and every day across Virginia. Well, we want to stay on the topic of blood donations for just a moment more. This podcast has previously profiled two people who have each been prodigious regular blood donors for decades. One is Macon Sizemore, a rehabilitation services leader at VCU Health. The other is Tom Stahl, a high school teacher in Hampton Roads. Everyone obviously can't be them, but many people can help by donating some blood. I know that each donation can help up to three people in need of a blood transfusion. So for anyone listening who wants to donate blood, Jonathan, can you share some more information on donating? or finding an appointment uh, to schedule an appointment to give blood. Yeah, I just want to say that the two donors you referenced are, are really just such an inspiration to all of us at the organization. You see somebody like Macon, who I have had the pleasure of, of meeting on multiple occasions, who schedules his blood donations many times out weeks and in, into the future and knows each and every uh, month where he's going to be donating. And this is his way. It's, it's a passion of his, and he does everything in his capacity to try to inspire um, his neighbors, his friends, his coworkers also to donate. That's the type of stories that really fuel us here at the Red Cross. We're just grateful for the thousands of Macon's across Virginia who make this a part of their way of giving back on a very consistent basis. But if you're somebody who's listening who's never donated before, uh, we want this to be your story to start your journey, your first blood donation. The best way to do that is to visit redcrossblood.org. We add blood drives each and every day to our calendar throughout the community so that whether it's at a, a local elementary school or a business who's hosting a drive. Uh, we have uh, local sports teams who host drives in their facilities. So many community partners really rally around the Red Cross because we like to say the Red Cross, we're your Red Cross. And what that means is without the community support, whether that's the individual donor or whether that's a community organization that opens up their doors to host a blood drive, we wouldn't be able to do this. So redcrossblood.org, you'll see the list of blood drives out in the community. You can also download our free Red Cross Blood Donor app. That's also going to have not only the list of blood drives available in the community, but it's also going to let you fill out some of those 
frequently needed health questions as part of our screening. It's called the rapid path. Fill that out prior to ever arriving in the blood drive. That's going to help you understand if you're eligible to donate blood. But it's also going to reduce the amount of time that you're in our facilities. And that's just a part of our commitment to make sure that we're really being good stewards of our donors' time, making this information as accessible as possible so you can find a drive, sign up, go to our screenings and get out and, and on with your lives as quickly as possible because we understand your time is valuable. And that's why we're working each and every day to make sure that our drives are not only accessible, that our tools and resources for helping you sign up are also easy to use uh, and readily available. All right. We'll give that address one more time, redcrossblood.org. So check it out and please consider being a blood donor because you really can help save lives that way. Jonathan, like me, you're a family man. Unlike me, you moonlight as a high school sports play-by-play announcer. How'd you get into that? Yeah, well, I started off actually. I tried out for the football team one day uh, in high school. I was a high school soccer player, and that ended my high school career as I realized it was a lot harder to punt a football than it was to kick a soccer ball. And the athletic director at the time said, hey, um, I know you're the uh, editor of our school newspaper. Would you would you ever want to do some announcing? And I said, sure. And uh, I had an opportunity to do some PA announcing uh, my high school. I went to Powhatan High School here in Virginia. Uh, and then after graduation, uh, when I attended JMU, uh, I went to the director of media services, uh, a gentleman by the name of Kurt Dudley, who I've always given a lot of credit for, for helping so many young broadcasters in the state get started and went into his office thinking he'd be like, sure, you want to broadcast? Well, let me put you on a football game. Had a little bit of a different plan for me. Had me start out doing uh, some swimming and diving and some field hockey. But it's the best thing that ever happened to me is I got a chance to really um, navigate the entire sports landscape at JMU. By the time I was done there, I was actually hosting halftime shows for JMU football on the radio. Um, had an opportunity to cut highlight tapes and do a, a number of other activities as a part of the broadcast team at JMU. And, and since then, I've had the pleasure of being able to call a variety of high school games across the state of Virginia um, on a variety of radio networks here in the state uh, and have had the opportunity as well to call some regional college football games. Uh, and it was just an opportunity to to continue to do something I love, but also to be involved, especially on the high school sports level, with some really great young athletes who, who love the attention. They love the coverage. What I like about calling high school games is you get a lot closer to the game than you do with some of the larger levels. So getting to, to know the athletes, get to know the coaches and their families. Um, and it's just a, something that I love doing and it's something I hope to be able to continue to do um, for many years to come. As I uh, you know, kind of scratch that itch, as I said, of the, the young kid who was pretending he was a play-by-play announcer while he played uh, Madden or, or college football <laughs> on his Nintendo. And uh, I never I never dreamed that I would actually get to do it someday in real life and an awesome way to give back. And, and the one thing I, I also try to do as, as a part of my announcing is uh, with all the high schools I've worked with is, is to make myself available to help out the, the high school students who might have an interest in broadcasting. So part of my job at the Red Cross, I get to do a lot of interviews, uh, whether it's podcasts like this or national outlets and things. So I think the experience that I've gained from that can be a valuable resource to high school kids as they plot their journey towards maybe getting on air someday. And, and that's one thing, like last year, we played by a play announcer for Goochland High School. We were able to have high school students as a part of all of our broadcasts recording stories and, and pieces that could be played as a part of our broadcast. And it was just a really great way to give them experience and, and to let them understand if this is something they really want to pursue and then do everything we can to help open those doors for them. And people did that for me when I was going through the process. And I've always looked for the opportunities to, to pay that forward. 
Well, as they say, each one teach one. It sounds like uh, you're doing a great job giving back and engaging with the community, whether it's uh, through play-by-play activities and and helping uh, aspiring broadcasters or through your work with the Red Cross. Jonathan, before we let you go, it's a tradition here on the podcast to ask our guests a few questions that are a little bit offbeat, a little quirky to give our listeners a bit of a sense of, of who our guests are beyond the work they do. To keep things interesting, we've developed a list of 10 mystery questions. So what I'd like is to give you an opportunity to choose two numbers between one and 10, and then I will hit you with the corresponding questions. All right. I'll take three and eight. Okay. Three. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given and why does it stick with you today? Uh, The best piece of advice I was ever given was to leave yourself to be open to any opportunity. I'd say, you know, as I've charted my career, if you would have ever told me when I was in college that I'd be working for the American Red Cross, uh, I would have probably said you were crazy. But you know, what I've done, whether it was working um, at the Pentagon uh, in support of the chief of communications for the Army, doing the sports things, there's a lot of times my initial reaction to the opportunity was like, why would I do that? But the more I explored the opportunities, the more of an open mind that I kept, um, it allowed me to see that there's a whole world of opportunities that, you know, if that you had kept a closed mind, you would have never had access to. So I'd, I'd say to anybody listening to this, that the more of an open mind you keep, whether it's in your personal life, professional life, the, the more you're going to find yourself having opportunities that you never thought were possible. And, and that's something that's really been uh, a great opportunity for me. And it's something I'm trying to instill in my kids, and whether it's with the types of food they're eating to say, hey, keep an open mind. You know, you might like this. We had a little bit of that experience this weekend when my daughter tried sushi for the first time and now she loves it. <laughs> so keep an open mind in whatever capacity you're going to be. Uh, you, you're going to find out more times than not that it's going to be a positive thing for you. Exactly. Be open to possibilities. That is great advice. And then number eight, you asked, tell me one memory from your life that whenever you think of it, it always makes you smile. For me, it's uh, as cliche as it might sound, it's the birth of both of my children. I mean, I, I, you know, becoming a father over the, the last decade has been the most unbelievable thing in my life. And, and you know, the opportunities presents it. And, and I, I always thought going into it that you'd know what to expect or, or to know what it would be. And if you're out there and you have kids, you'll understand that that is something that you know you, you never can imagine before it happens. So that's that's definitely the biggest one. I'd say kind of a fun one is I never uh, ever dreamed that I would actually get to call uh, a Division One college football game, and I got to do that this past year. And um, and I built it up in my mind as, as something that that I knew would be an amazing experience, and and it wound up surpassing it in so many different ways. And being able to check that off. Um, and, and to get that experience is, is something I'll always be grateful for. And then maybe one other one is I, I was in an acapella group at JMU. I always like to throw out something quirky. Um, got to perform at, at the Kennedy Center. Uh, that was also a pretty, pretty amazing memory. So I gave you three, uh, but I hope each and every one of them shows you a little bit of insight into my personality. And I, and I think each and every one of those opportunities made me better at what I do each and every day for the Red Cross. Uh, and I'm just grateful for this opportunity to be on the podcast. It's been a really uh, great time. And, and thankful to all your listeners for the ways that they support the Red Cross each and every day. We couldn't do it without you. Three for the price of one. We appreciate it, Jonathan. And with that, that is going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so that you know when new episodes are available. We want to once again thank our guest, Jonathan McNamara of the Red Cross, for being with us today. So thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you again. And, and um, one last thing, if I can, to, to the people who are listening, we hear a lot from the community, hey, if I can't donate blood, can I still support the Red Cross? Can as a volunteer, um, redcross.org slash volunteer today, whether you're supporting a blood drive here in the community um, or joining our disaster team to go out to events like we talked about in Southwest Virginia. We're so grateful for those who do answer the call, and we hope to see you on our team. Once again, redcross.org slash volunteer today. 